Welcome to Dig A Little Deeper. And uh, just want to say, we really appreciate everyone who's listening. We appreciate feedback. We, we're really blessed when we get feedback from people who say this has helped them because at the end of the day, bottom line of this podcast, we're on a journey. It's a conversation. Um, we're not claiming to get everything perfect, but we're on a bit of a journey. And if you're on that journey with us, we are honoured to have you and we trust that you're going to be blessed yeah 100 percent. and this week we're continuing on from from last week which was I, I thought a really helpful conversation talking about how we approach the bible interpret the bible we talked about some some caveats to have in mind as we do that talked about being faithful rather than being right the importance of a community hermeneutic if you haven't listened to that one yet a lot of what we speak about today is going to follow on from that. So make sure you jump back into last week's episode. Definitely, have a listen. Definitely. It was excellent. And I'm expecting that today will be also. Yeah, well, I, I sort of saw last week as a bit of a thin edge of the wedge. It's just started, you know, and then this book has, is amazing me. We're in John Walton's Principles of Interpretation. It's a book that I, I said last week you know, I wish I'd read years ago, but I'm not sure I would have been ready for it. I think it would have unsettled too much of my literalistic thinking. Um, but certainly for the journey we're on, it's it's just beautiful. A lot of the concepts that we we see in the book and we will see in the book, they're not entirely new to us, but it's just bringing it into an order that I hope is graspable so that it's really usable for us, the mm. listeners, that we can we can take something away and go, wow, that is really helping shape the way that I approach Scripture. So uh, we've always tried to do that. I, I just find this a really systematic way of doing it. And also, this was something we always said we'd do. Yeah, yeah. We did talk about doing books and and again, I think the structured approach is going to be really helpful. Yeah, even yeah. if it is covering some ground we might have touched on before. So this is the the kind of the first one. So hey, absolute shameless free plug for John Walton. Yeah, you will love what John Walton writes. You might not agree with it all, but I tell you what, it'll definitely get you thinking, and that's the whole point. So today we're going to go to three essential commitments we need to make. As Levi mentioned last week, we looked at um, two caveats that he gave for us to approach scripture. And this week, it's three essential commitments we must make if we if we want to be faithful to the text. Yeah. Let's jump in. Jump in. Well, the first one's accountability. And um, we touched on this concept uh, to one or two podcasts, three, three or four podcasts ago now probably. Um, we touched on this concept with needing to recognise that the writers were inspired mm. and so we need to be very careful about wrestling their words out of context. And so we're accountable first and foremost to God. When we talk accountability, having a sense of accountability as we approach the Scriptures, we're accountable to God. It's his message, not ours. Yeah, you know, so we have to make ourselves accountable and go, I want to discern the message God has intended to give and not not be tempted to superimpose my message on his. Mm. As a matter of fact, you know, when you see people really messing with scripture, when you see cults messing with, when you see the folks at Westboro Baptist, who I don't mind naming at all, you know, when you see the Bible abused to that level, to be that's exactly what's happening. It's people disregarding what God's trying to say 
and using the Bible to say what they want to say, to affirm their pre-existing disposition and beliefs. And people have done it with slavery. They've done it with oppressing all kinds of uh, manner of people and minority groups or, you know, different ethnicities. This has happened through the ages. It's a terrible thing, but that's what is happening. They're not looking for the message of God. They're, They're actually exercising no accountability mm. and just wanting scripture to affirm what they already think. How does, and, and often in the name of, I just say, I'm just reading what it says. I'm just, I'm just reading saying what, what it says. <laughs> That's right. I'm just saying what it says, but I'm not understanding what it's trying to say. Yeah. So you see, there's an accountability <laughs> to actually understanding what is being said and yeah. why it's being said, not just these are the words on the page. True. Um, and, and there's another level to this too. And, and Walton points it out, really well that God chose to use human instruments. There's people involved in this whole process and we believe in inspiration. We believe in inspiration beyond the writers, but literally it it wasn't just written stuff, but it it includes people who edit and compiled the texts. Mm. You know, we don't have complete everything. And there could be a reason for that. There's books that are extra biblical that are written in the same time periods, but not included in the canon. So inspiration carries beyond those initial penned autographs, believing that God has got scripture to us in a form that his message comes through clearly for the, you know, for the discerning reader. So we've got to be accountable to that as well. Um, and, you know, so, for example, like I said, one of the ways that we're accountable to human authors is by not trying to make Scripture say something they did not initially intend mm. in their season, in their time period, in their unique circumstances, in their unique culture, not trying to make them say something they never said. Mm. You know, youth pastors are great at this, at picking up at something in Scripture and then giving it a pop, pop, pop cultural putting a pop culture icon on it and turning it into something, you know. Um, We've even done that with the covers of the Bible. I remember one of my first Bibles, and I had it because I thought it was the coolest Bible I ever saw, was a copy of the Good News Bible that, that had denim jeans printed on it. So it was like covered in denim. And, and it had the jeans pocket on the front. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah, it was yeah. like a pair of, of Levi jeans, you know, because they were the jeans back yeah, then, yeah. Levi. And, um, you know, but that's like, you know, we love to put our pop culture because we relate to it. So when a youth pastor, you know, wrestles a bit out of context and makes it a bit funny and does a funny story, he's not necessarily trying to pervert the word of God as long as the true message comes through. Right. All he's used is a cultural icon to make it more relevant. Mm. We're not talking about that. We're talking about, well, what was the message at the end of the night? Mm. Did the message land on a meaning that the author originally intended it to mean. And if you do that, then the iconography you use or the examples, the illustrations, the pop culture symbols, they are just a method of communication Mm. that gets the attention and grabs the imagination of the listener. Yeah. And I'd I'd say that's just excellent communication. Mm. So accountability. And we might go there, but have you got any kind of thoughts on how, are there like some kind of steps to how, how would we stay accountable? Like what would some questions you ask yourself be around I, I, I think that's going to be a, you know, that's going to be another episode. We're get there. Yeah. Cool. I think w- right now we're just talking about this concept of as we approach scripture, mm. let's be mindful that 
we don't just, you know, an old quote that I've used recently was Smith Wigglesworth. We must bring our mind to the to the Word of God and not attempt to bring the Word of God to our mind. Mm. So this thought of if if we go, I'm centric and I bring the Bible to me to make it fit what I'm already thinking, mm. you get a really bad interpretation of what it's trying to say. But if we say, you know what, I realize I'm limited. This is where the faithful reading comes rather than the right reading. I'm limited in my understanding and in my capacity to comprehend. So I come humbly to Scripture to, you know, spend the time trying to find what's God really trying to say. What was the, And part of that is what was the original author trying to say? Yeah. Because he's inspired by God. Mm. So that's how you're going to get the message. So, so we've got to be committed to a, accountability. Accountability. Yeah. We've got to be committed to that and really um, – uh, we've got to understand in that we're, we're accountable to the author, the original author, more than to our modern communities. Mm. Even when we talk about community hermeneutic, it's got to start with the author. It can't start with the community. Mm. It's got to start with scripture and with the original intent. Um, or tradition, church tradition often has gotten in the way of a faithful reading. Um so what Walton talks about is being tethered to the author's literary intentions. Mm, okay. So if we want a faithful reading, we are tethered, we're tied to the author's original intentions. That's mm. just one great concept. Authority, you could nearly summarize it there. Recognize this is inspired by God, and therefore, if the original author was inspired, we are tied, we are tied inseparably to his original intentions if we want to get it right. The next one's consistency. So I hope that made sense. Did that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So consistency, you know. So um, I'll just quote Walton here because he just says it so clearly. We must consistently and mercilessly engage in purging our interpretation of anything that cannot be defended as part of his intention. So if you are digging a little deeper and you're really trying to be faithful with your reading and get good stuff and inspired stuff from Scripture, then you've actually got to purge, you know, anything that's not clearly there if you really want to be faithful to it. And Walton goes on to say that this is arguably the most important important statement in this book. Okay. Now, that's a big statement big to statement, make. Yeah. When I look at the book and the depth of the book and the ground he covers, it's like, wow, that is a big statement. What he just said, that's the most important thing. And I think it comes back down to getting away from eisegesis, getting away from um, interpretation that's based on our – it starts with us. Yeah. And and getting to exegesis, opening up the scripture and – and pulling it apart and what with context and whether it's literary, theological, all those contexts, um, uh, that's that's his big warning. Consistently, uh, consistency. So consistency, uh, and then he gives a you know he gives some examples of it. So one of them is Old Testament authors who show no awareness of the idea that the serpent in the garden is Satan. Okay, so if you go, say, the book of Genesis, you know, Satan or Hasatan, the Satan, he pops up in Job, but he's not necessarily 
in, in Genesis. And it's like, well, there's a development of theological thought there. So you, he basically says we shouldn't superimpose those newer images on the old story. Okay, yeah. They might be indicating or hinting at it, but to go back and just say this is what we were talking about, to make that leap mm-hmm. is, is actually, you know, it's not true to original intent. Um, so even if it fits the pattern, you've always just got to be wary about that. Mm. And and I guess for me, um, I'm starting to understand the difference maybe bef- between, um, and this is somewhere we'll go in the future, but the difference between reference and affirmation. Okay. That some things are referred to in Scripture. You can refer to them and it's quite okay, but it's not necessarily, we take another step when we affirm that this is what he was talking about. Okay. So, for example, could you, yeah, could you give me an example? an example? Could be maybe this is what he was talking about in the garden. There's a reference to something like this in the garden, mm. you know, and so you can almost see the arc of the story. You, it, yeah, th- this could be the beginning of it, but we need to be wary if the original author, if that wasn't his intent, yeah, we need to be wary of saying this is what he was speaking about. Okay, yeah. that's actually another step. So we, that might be getting a bit complex, but. You know, there's just this thought of let's be really consistent and stay consistent with what the author's intent was and where they were at, Mm. you know, um, rather than just bringing our mindset going, I can make this fit. Yeah, okay, yeah. There's the big mistake. Uh, And the last one, uh, third one is controls. Controls. So uh, you've got accountability, you've got consistency, and you've got controls. These three commitments we make as we approach scripture um and really the first two are talking about controls the first two are talking about in a sense let's put some lines in the sand and define the space we're going to operate in yeah it's all control it's controls and uh and immediately people sort of bucket that and, and if you've got an a very literalistic view of, of scripture and interpretation, straight away you feel that's restrictive. It's got this sense of, oh, I don't want controls on there. I, 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 it's like I want the, the Bible to be whatever it wants to be kind of thing. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, which we might not, have, uh, might not articulate clearly, clearly, but, gee, a lot, of, a lot of the journey I've been part of, that was probably the thinking. You know, like um, almost to the point where the more obscure a text was, the more powerful it was if you could get a, a message out of it. You know? Right, yeah. Um, but controls are, are there actually to safeguard scripture from that kind of sort of abuse. So Walton contends that we need to accept controls willingly mm. to actually go, these are a benefit to us that there's certain places where we're not going to go. We're not going to colour outside the lines. Okay. And uh, and he'll look at these controls as the book opens up. But here's the main point, and he says this, and again I'll quote him, you know, doing so, adding these controls in that we're going to talk about through this book, it doesn't mean that we're restraining the Bible. We need to restrain ourselves. Mm. That's the point he makes, and I think that's so true because instantly – a, a literalistic mindset, or those of us who are migrating away from, um, you know, uh, just cherry picking scriptures that make sense to us in the moment, 
And and it's not that. I mean, God still does that in my life. I read something and think, wow, that's got nothing to do with anything, but I just know God's speaking to my heart about something. I'm not yeah. I'm not outlawing that. We're talking now about faithful interpretation. And so um, uh, we have to understand we, we're restraining ourselves, not the Bible. If you've got that more sort of literalistic view, I just read what it says, you feel like controls are going to restrict the Bible. But it's not restricting the Bible, it's restricting us. Okay. Yeah. Key point, key yeah. point. We need restricting because mm. we just gravitate so quickly to our own opinions, our own experiences, our own subjective ideas. Um, we need controls. So he contends that without controls, really, interpretation becomes, you know, more subjective than it inherently is. And it is inherently subjective, you know, the way when we approach scripture. I mean, we're trying to work out what those original authors were saying over many, many, many um, eons. And if we do allow it to become too subjective, we just lose the message entirely. Yeah. So there's the value of controls. So accountability to God and to the author, taking that to the, you know, to the next step is having a consistency with that. And, you know, it's wonderful to join the dots through Scripture, but but not joining dots that aren't clearly intended by the authors. I, I think maybe that's a simple way of saying it. And then controls and recognising that we have ways of approaching Scripture, principles of interpretation that will be suggested in the, in the coming weeks. They're actually there to control us from being overly subjective, unnecessarily subjective, or anchored to our own opinions. Hmm. And, and and in that control, it actually sets us free to really find out what is God trying to say to us through Scripture. Hmm. Yeah. And uh, thus endeth another short lesson, I guess. Yeah, that's helpful, though. And I, and I guess this is a lot of groundwork for where we're going. It is, yeah, um, yeah. This is another thin edge of the wedge. A thin edge, the thin, <laughs> the thin edge of the wedge. I like that. And, and I think it's sort of probably helpful to keep these ones short because they're all introducing, uh, you know, another little concept um, that's in a bite-sized package that you can actually think about. Mm. Okay, do is that the way I approach scripture? Mm. When I come to it, am I thinking now? I need to be accountable to God, and I need to be accountable to the people who've written it. In the sense, I want to honour and I want to respect that this is inspired and that I'm not just bringing my own mind to it to confirm what I already think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Mm. So, And if you've been a Christian for a while, yeah, a lot of scripture should confirm a lot of what you've already thought because mm. you've already been there and, and hopefully you've come to the right conclusions. But again, always coming with that sense of accountability, again, fosters a sense of humility in our approach. And then our consistency will always help us with, right, you know, I'm not going to try and join dots that aren't there and then landing, you know, finally on controls, willingly accepting them. Where do I do that? Am I happy? Am I happy to recognise that there's some constraints here? I can't just make the Bible say what I think it says or what some Hollywood movie came out and said. Yeah. Or some favourite book that I read. Your brother Earl on YouTube oh, with his four subscribers. Exactly yeah. right. I mean, you know, just an example of this getting out of control was the whole spiritual warfare deal of the 80s and 90s. And 
the lack of context, and we might even look at that. It's an interesting one to look at around the Prince of Persia in the in the Book of Daniel, and uh, or sorry, no, sorry. Anyway, I better I better research that. But you know, Frankie Peretti was a great author, like a phenomenal creative writer, who wrote three books, I think at least, on on spiritual warfare called This Present Darkness, Piercing the Darkness. I had them all. I can still remember them. You know, but. It actually got to a point where those novels, which were very entertaining, tended to shape people's imagination in the church okay, around yeah. spiritual warfare mm. more than scripture did. Right, yeah. So that's why we need accountability, consistency and control right there. Hey, it's Emily. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed it, then give me 10 squats. And while you wait for next week's episode, go and weed your garden. Thanks again and catch you later.